And now from the Gospel according to Mark, the twelfth chapter. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called to his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've heard some long prayers in my day. I've prayed some long prayers in my day. You have borne the burden of those long prayers, prayed in my long robes in this very place of honor. Have my prayers been prayed for the sake of appearances? Were other long prayers you've heard prayed, prayed in order to impress you? How would you know? Some of the most powerful prayers I've heard were well-crafted, thought through, written down. It's true that they did not sound like the way the person talks in regular conversation. Does this mean that the prayers were just prayed so that the human audience would take note? Or were they well-crafted as a way of honoring God and those who the praying person represented? How would you know? One way to know, Jesus says, is by how the prayers affect the living. If a religious person prays for the needs of widows, then treats widows in such a way that their needs increase, that their life worsens, the emptiness of his prayers are obvious. It is not enough to see a need, to pray for it, and then to live as though we have no responsibility in helping God answer our prayer. It is corrupt to pray for a need in order to appear faithful, then operate in ways that contradict your prayer. If you seek to impress others by asking the Lord to help widows and then live in ways that hurt widows, Jesus says, greater is your condemnation. We've heard about widows today. In the book of Ruth, we meet Naomi and her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Naomi, her husband Elimelech, their sons Mahlon and Kilion had fleed from Judah to go to Moab because Judah was in a time of famine. Ten years after they leave Judah, things have changed. Judah's famine is over. 
but so are the lives of Elimelech and Malon and Kilion, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah are widows. With the men in her life gone, Naomi determines that she'll go back to Judah, that she has no future in Moab, no future anywhere, she says. She decides to go back to her homeland and tells her daughters-in-law to stay. Stay in Moab. Stay in your country. Stay with your people. Maybe here you will have a future. Maybe here you can find a husband for yourself. After Naomi seeks to convince Ruth to stay, Ruth replies with these famous lines. Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. Ruth dedicates herself to Naomi in the most critical elements of life, where she'd live and with whom who she'd worship and serve, where she would finish her days. Ruth committed her entire life, including whatever future she might have, to Naomi. Ruth didn't just pray for Naomi and send her on her way. Ruth's life became a prayer of dedication, of devotion to the widow she loved. Ruth's actions matched her prayer. Jesus pointed to another widow, having just warned about the scribes who mistreat widows and that they would receive the greater condemnation. He sits down across from the treasury, the collection box. Apparently in those days they didn't have the little giving envelope so that you could give discreetly whatever amount you were going to give. So Jesus knew exactly who gave what. I've heard about churches that have different collection boxes depending on what people were going to give. They lined them up in the front of the church. If you're going to give this amount, you go down that line to that box, this amount, that line, that box. Stewardship committees researching this. Just kidding. I don't think those different collection boxes were the ways that were how Jesus knew what the people gave. I don't think that's their system. But, but somehow he did know. Jesus knew what the givers gave. And it's, it's likely because givers' gifts were highly calculated. The givers, knowing that they were being watched, had the formula down. This amount is precisely what I'm supposed to give to the temple. So watch me give it. There was no requirement for a widow to give all she had. No formula that would result in her giving her last two coins to the temple's treasury. If anyone had a right to pass by that treasury and put nothing in it, it was the widow. So why'd she do it? Why did she give all that she had? Was it a protest? A way of saying, if you'll devour my house, then have my last two coins too. If Just take it all if that's the way you're going to treat me. Did she give her coins out of devotion? Respect. 
of the sense that you don't enter the temple and not give something to God, something of what you can give. Did the widow give in order to support the prayers she had prayed? It's a well-established paradox that the, more, that the financially worse off someone is, the greater the percentage of his giving becomes. He takes a bigger chunk of what he has to live on and gives it away so that others might be able to live. Perhaps it's because he knows what it means to struggle. Did the widow give all she had to give because her prayers were for those who also struggled? We don't know. What we know is that Jesus celebrated that she gave everything, all she had to live on, her whole life. Her prayers matched her living right down to her giving. People like me, not just those who wear long robes and pray long prayers, but those who have the resources to wear nice clothes and laptops on which to compose our long prayers. We get anxious when Jesus starts celebrating those who give it all away. It wasn't that long ago that he told a rich man, go sell what you can and sell what you own. Give it all to the poor. We wonder, will he ask that of us? Is he asking that of us? What do people like us do with statements like those? For today, let's not be frightened by them. Or even to be made to feel guilty by them. What if we did what Jesus did? What if we celebrated the widow? The widows. Here's a widow who put her complete trust in God and offered her whole life. In Ruth, we have a widow who, put her whole, who gave her whole life to Naomi and because she did, became an ancestor of Jesus. What these widows point to. What widows I've known in this church point to is our Lord. Our Lord who gave His whole life first to God and then to us. What Jesus knew of Ruth and Saul and the widow making her offering was a reflection of what we see in Him. It was only three days later. Three days after Jesus watched that widow put her last two coins in the offering box, after she gave all of her life, that He gave His. And before you go leaping to ask yourself if you are giving your life away in a way that honors Jesus giving His life, pause for a second and consider what it means when we say He gave His life. Jesus gave His life. In fact, I don't want you to do a self-assessment today. Don't think about how much you're giving. Don't think about the intent behind the prayers you're praying. Don't even wonder if your actions match your prayers right now. Before you assess any of that, think about Jesus. 
We don't do that enough. Dorothy Day, the great Catholic missionary from a hundred years ago, was asked at the end of her life to, to write her autobiography and to help a biographer do it. She was given that assignment. He came back and talked to her a few weeks later and hoping to see a lot of work that had, she had written down. When they sat down and met, she didn't have any papers to hand him. She said, all I've been thinking about this whole time is how it's been my good gift to have Jesus on my mind for so long. We don't think about Jesus enough. Think of his life. Think of his death. This story of the widow giving all she had is a holy week story. The setting of the widow giving her all is that it happens just days before Jesus gave his all, before we'll get anywhere in our attempts to give God more of our lives. We need to spend time giving thanks for God giving all of his. The widow's model what the devout can do. Jesus showed us what God would do. Time will tell what we will do. Whatever it is. However it is. However consistently or inconsistently it matches the prayers we pray. May Jesus always be the why we do. The why we give our lives. If he is, then the how will take care of itself.